In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, we find ourselves now on Saturday before Palm Sunday, that is just really on the last day before Holy Week begins. And today, Saturday, March 27th, we read in the Gospel about the decision of uh, the Sanhedrin to, to kill Jesus. They had seen the many signs that he had been uh, producing among the people. Many began to believe. And we read that Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, well, he makes a prophecy. He rather disdainfully dismisses the other members of the Sanhedrin, telling them that they don't know anything, that, they're, that they know nothing. And he says it is better that one man die, that one man die instead of the people so that the whole nation may not perish. The gospel says he didn't say this on his own, but he said it because he was the high priest and, well, that he prophesied how Jesus was going to die makes that prophecy. In other words, in some way he was inspired by God and this was, a, this was recognized later on by John. So at that point, Jesus no longer walks around in public. He goes, we are told, to Ephraim, a place that was the desert. And he goes there to prepare what, he's, what he knows is going to be his last days on earth. In the meantime, the Jews that are there in, in Jerusalem during the Passover are full of wonder and full of, uh, well, I suppose partly curiosity, but they're looking for Jesus. They're looking, is, when is he going to show? But I would say it wasn't simple curiosity. There was also a deep desire to know. They're watching. There was buzz in the air. But there was also a lot of talk in the air about the raising of Lazarus that had just taken place. A man who had been known by all to have been dead in the tomb and who had been the object of care. He had been embalmed, that is, he embalmed. He had been wrapped in, 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 in the burial style of the Jews with these cloths and a shroud and anointed and mourned. Now suddenly, though he had been in the tomb, he was alive. And everybody knew that he was alive because of the powerful command that came from Jesus himself. And this itself was already a powerful sign to everyone. 
people would have remembered the loud voice of Jesus. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus. He used his name. He didn't speak to him with any anonymity. Lazarus, come forth. It's beautiful to see that Jesus called Lazarus by his name, not only because he was his friend, and although he was really dead, he was not therefore lost. Let's say he had not lost his identity. He was still Lazarus. If you see somebody dead, you, call, you could call him by their name. Indeed, dead people continue to exist. They're not like a piece of wood. They continue to exist. But they have a different mode of, a di of uh, existence because they have changed from the mortal life to eternal life. That's why we always have to respect the, the, the bodies of the dead. The tradition in the church was to follow the Jewish custom, which was to bury the dead, simply because it's, in some ways it's the most uh, respectful way of dealing with that body rather than, than cremation. But, well, since cremation also became uh, popular in some cultures and for other reasons, the church has also permitted cremation. But it's, it's not the most, uh, let's say, traditional way of, of burying the dead. And, uh, and, the, and the dead still exist. They just exist in a different way. That's why God, Jesus said that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Because to him all are alive, even those who have died. And indeed, when you think of your, your own death, you know, people do think about death. Maybe they think about getting struck by a car and stuff like that, but, but they're more kind of thinking of the pain that might be involved in being struck by a car but if they think more theoretically about death, like if you were to think now about being dead, you, well, you might be afraid because you don't know what will happen, as though there will be a kind of a black hole. When you're young, you don't generally, as far as I know, you don't think much about death. When you get older, maybe you get some health scares and you realize that you're really not made entirely or just for this life but we're made for God. And, uh, well, right now, before Holy Week begins, before Jesus' passion, that, that access to heaven was still closed. Lazarus did not have access to heaven when he died. He did not go to heaven. There was no heaven. Well, there was a heaven, but it was, it was closed. It was like the door was locked. He went, like all the just, into Sheol. That's the, the Hebrew word for the, the nether world. Like, it's like a place where the just, it's not, it's not, a, it's not like hell it's not in the sense that it's not a place of torment. It's just a place of kind of like a waiting room, waiting, Sheol. In Greek, they called it Hades, you know, or had, I don't know how you pronounce it, Hades or yeah, Hades. Right? Sheol, this kind of like place of the just with Abraham, uh, Moses, Adam, Eve, and some of the early paintings show Jesus going down into Sheol and 
and reaching down and and freeing them from that place. Really, in fact, he's usually reaching the first of the of the dead, which is Adam and, and Eve. He pulls that pulls them out, and then behind them, there are like tons of people. You know, David and uh, who knows who. Probably not Goliath. He probably wasn't there. You know, but uh, and and so now, of course, Lazarus came back from that shale. Must have been interesting to talk to because he would have presumably talked to David and Moses and uh, Saul and everybody. <laughs> he would have talked to him. Maybe he would have talked even to Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph. One assumes that Saint Joseph had died already. Maybe he talked even to John the Baptist, who was also we know was dead by then, been beheaded. Maybe John the Baptist had his head then. <laughs> I don't know, but. Certainly, when he came back, he was full of stories and would have been a powerful testimony to Jesus and his power, the power of Jesus. Indeed, imagine the, the I mean, it's, it's almost as though Lazarus didn't need, didn't need faith. I mean, he, he had seen the power of Jesus to pull him out of that. Not because that place was, uh, let's say, painful or horrible, but simply, uh, you could say that he, he just... He just saw that other world. And, um, and so I, I suppose you could say that is that Lazarus' death provoked the Sanhedrin because all the words of, of Lazarus led many people to believe, to believe. And so as a result, well, the Sanhedrin decided to kill Lazarus for good. And there he went back. He just went back and said, Hey guys, I'm back. I'm back. Hey Moses. Hey David. Hey, say, oh, John the Baptist. How you doing, man? I'm back. I'm back. But it wasn't heaven yet. In other words, they could not see God in all his fullness yet. But they knew somehow mysteriously that this was coming. So you and I have to be like Lazarus. A sign to help people to believe. And that's what he was, a sign. Not because we rise, like obviously you're not going to be like Lazarus, rise and dead and then be a sign, but because of our, you could say, our exemplary behavior, our faith, our unity of life, our example. Somehow, by people seeing you, if we could be like Lazarus, we could be a sign. Meaning that people seeing you, they see your integrity, they see your attractive behavior. And then they, they, will, they will go to Jesus. Not so much to you, but to Jesus. Like those words of the way, number two, uh, St. Rosaria says, How I wish your bearing and conversation were such that on seeing or hearing you People would say, this man, this woman, this man reads the life of Jesus Christ. Just upon seeing your bearing, your conversation, your behavior, the way you dress, the, all those things, people would say, oh, this, wow, this, this person is impressive. Uh, they, must, they must have a model that they're following. And what are some of the, we can ask ourselves now in our time of prayer there, what are some of the qualities that people seek in you? Maybe they expect some kind of deep philosophical knowledge, or, but 
and, and certainly it's a, it's a good thing to, to cultivate, much better than the kind of diluted affair that we get uh, on some of the Catholic blogosphere but, uh, or the media. But we have to be good examples of deep knowledge. Not that we have to be saying super deep things all the time, but if we could captivate people with the images we use, uh, uh, just like Jesus used many parables. Um, But St. Luzumir said this, you know, wouldn't it be good if people could say of you, not just, oh, look, isn't he orderly? Oh, isn't he smart? Oh, isn't he... Um, good at sports, good at this. It says, this man reads the life of Jesus Christ. Meaning, they see a connection between you and your knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're reading Jesus Christ. And so as we enter into this Holy Week, well, it's a good idea to see how well we know the life of Jesus Christ. Naturally, reading the Gospel should be something we should do every day. I, I hope you, you're able to reserve a few minutes. It doesn't have to be long, just five minutes every day to the gospel. And there you read his parables, you read his sayings, you read the explanation of the life of Jesus in St. Paul, and, the, and of course uh, the Acts of the Apostles. But you know, the gospel has to be for us a go-to text every day. Like we, it's almost as though we need to nourish ourselves every day to, on the gospel. There we're reading the life of Jesus Christ. But there have also been many accounts of the life of Jesus Christ that use the gospel and explain many passages, which to us can sometimes maybe uh, seem difficult. You may have heard that this book uh, by, uh, or this book that's the Bible, it's called the Word on Fire Bible, where Bishop Robert Barron explains how first he, he, when he first started reading the Bible, the Old Testament, he, he felt it was just couldn't understand it. It just he didn't, you know. So then his father suggested that he read the Gospels, and he tried that. And he, again, there too, he he really felt he needed a guide. He needed somebody to help him. And back then, well, there were already many guides, but maybe they weren't the most appropriate for him or something. I don't know. But uh, but in the end, he he, of course, as we know, recently he published this Word on Fire Bible. So far, as far as I understand, they've, they've published the Gospels. And so it's, it's the, the Gospels themselves, and then he's got little articles or explanations of different sections. He's also got a part called Via Pulcritudinis, which is the way of beauty, where they've got paintings about that represent uh, sections of the Gospel. So we can do that. We can start reading a Gospel like that. Maybe you can ask that book for your birthday or something, but um, or for Christmas, but Christmas is a ways off. But uh, but there are other books you can read uh, if you need them. Just ask me, and I'll, I'll get them for you. But uh, you know, Frank Sheed's uh, uh, "To Know Christ Jesus" or or Fulton Sheen, "The Life of Christ," um, beautiful book. Fulton Sheen that was written in the fifties, but it's very popular. Or uh, Pope Benedict's series on Jesus of Nazareth. Pope Benedict. I mean, that's. That's just a classic already. Or the famous Giuseppe Ricciotti, who wrote a, an Italian author who, who, who wrote about the life of Jesus in a very using archaeological evidence. Or Romano Guardini, but wrote more from a theological, philosophical perspective, the Lord. 
called called the Lord, written I think in the twenties or so. It's a, it's a deeper, perhaps more difficult book. Others have written about not so much like with the title "Life of Jesus," but like for example on the, the seven last words of Jesus on the cross, like uh, well Robert Barron, Father Robert Barron has one, and also Richard John Newhouse has a book called "Death on a Friday Afternoon." Um, and that explains every word that Jesus said when he was on the, on the cross, and that helps us to know the life of Christ. And, you know, we said that we really are men who have read the life of Jesus. Um, and there are many other books. If you need one, just ask me, and I'll, I'll get it to you. For you know, Brian Petre has one called "The Case for Christ," or or uh, Fabrice Judge, uh, a French uh, author. Uh, has written a book on the resurrection, uh, many others. Or the Sacred Passion. Just read the Sacred Passion itself, especially this Holy Week. Okay? There's Luis de Palma, there's, there's many others. Right? And uh, the Passion, if we read the Passion, because we will read it on tomorrow on Palm Sunday, but then we will read it again on Good Friday. And we do it standing, we do it with reverence, and it's not just a literary work here. There's something that we have to come to know and to, you could say, integrate. If we do that deeply and feel that somehow we are participating in that, the Lord will guide us and uh, open our hearts to the value of what it really means to, to know the passion. I heard a story recently about a, well, an atheist lady, a woman, who, um, whose daughter, a 16-year-old daughter, had um, cancer, and it was like a, a tumor that she had in her rib cage, and so she had to get a special operation for that, and, um, and her daughter was very, very religious, had, you know, practiced her faith. And so she had the operation, and as she came out of the operation, she had just came out of there with tubes all over the place, uh, coming out of her nose, out of her mouth, out of uh, everywhere. And she was in great agony, and she was groaning as she came out of the operation, as the sedative was kind of wearing off. And um, her mother was there kind of holding her hand, trying to comfort her in this very difficult moment. And uh, she didn't even want to talk, that poor girl, you know, and she was like 16 years old. But, uh, um, and she, and the mother said, uh, honey, do you want me to read something to you? Do you want me, like, maybe, do you want me to read the gospel to you? And she said, okay, okay, well, yeah, 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 whatever, okay, yeah. And uh, she said, well, what part, what part do you want me to read? She said, mom, read to me the passion. Read the, the passion narrative. So the mother said, okay. So she had to go and run off to the ch hospital chaplain to find, you know, to find a, a gospel. And, 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 and she asked the, the chaplain, where is the part they call the passion? And the chaplain showed her, and she had never even read, read the gospel, so she had no clue, right? So, so she came back, and her daughter was there, and she began to read slowly the account of the passion. And as she read, bit by bit, her daughter kind of fell asleep. The girl kind of dozed off, but she just kept reading to herself. And by the end of her reading, she was so uh, impressed 
that uh, she well she converted she 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 realized that the the passion that she was recounting was somehow there reflected in her daughter and and uh, suddenly gave meaning to the suffering that her daughter and that she herself was experiencing by seeing what she had never really experienced before reading of the passion and she later wrote later wrote a book about about her conversion and she said that was the key moment was to read the passion of, of Christ to see how much she suffered for us and uh, well it could be a moment for us too that we do that too and uh, think about it on well tomorrow on Palm Sunday Good Friday you can do the way of the cross as well it's a way of contemplating the passion or reading the seven words I mean there are different ways right? throughout the centuries uh, uh, there have been different ways that uh, people have done this. Um, and, you know, in that way, our knowledge of Christ won't be uh, simply knowledge. Like, you know, some people consider formation in the faith simply to be knowledge. You know, so if you receive a good doctrinal or ascetical or professional formation, you just have you know, you have good knowledge, information, like information, you know, and you know about stuff. Uh, but much more than that is required. Um, and to reach the person in all their integrity requires, requires a formation that leads to the way, of, the way you act, the way you are, so that, again, people can say, this person reads, reads the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, it'll really affect not just the way you know, but the way you act. It, the goal is much higher. Right? It'll lead to your whole, what you could call your whole uh, integrity. Right? So that there's a unity between what you know about the life of Christ and how you behave and how you act. There's an integrity. Yeah? And in fact, we can ask the Lord now, Lord, may you reign in, in me through this idea of integrity. Integrity. So that people can say, this man, he reads the life of Jesus Christ, not just because he's perfect and he's got no flaws, but there's integrity there. You know, the, the word integrity in English comes from the Latin integritas, which comes from integer. Integer, meaning one, entire, an integer. Meaning the Lord is in your intelligence, how you think through things, you know, uh, and and and, but he's also in your will, and he's in your heart, in your relationships with others. Right? That's that's yeah, that's integrity, right? And uh, the faith, our knowledge of Christ, has to affect us like an integer. We have to be one person. We are one person, and when we sin, it goes against that integer. It breaks it down. Like when you when you have a, an electronic device of some kind, like a TV or something, uh, the on and off button. So when you when you don't you haven't seen the the object the, the 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 device, you don't know if it's on or off. You look at it, and if the for on it's a one, it's kind of like a one, and off it's a zero, right? So if the zero is down, that means it's off. Then you click. And then the one is down, then it means on. But, you know, when I first saw that, I would see like a stereo or, I don't know, some kind of electronic device. And I didn't know whether it was on and off. To me, visually, 
If I saw a line there, to me it, it was like a closed eye. A closed eye. You know, I said, oh, that must be off. But the zero to me was like an open eye. It's an open eye. Oh, it must be on. It's open, like your eyes are open, right? But it was the opposite. That's the, that's the wrong way to look about it, right? That's the wrong way. So anyway, I, what can I do? I had to learn that, that one means on, zero means off. Zero does not mean an open eye, and one does not mean a closed eye. Maybe some people see it like that. I don't know if that's just my visual way of looking at it. But So we ask the Lord to be open, to be open and to be one. So that our formation as Catholics uh, integrate itself in our way of being, knowing that we are maybe weak sometimes, we fall, but we can always begin again. Let's try to really live this Holy Week the best we can, staying very close to Our Lady of Sorrows who suffered this, this bitter passion, knowing that it is the sign to which, or the degree to which, Jesus loved us and saved us. Our Blessed Mother will help us to live this uh, in all its integrity, to go through all of Holy Week and really come closer to Him, especially when we come to Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, the Resurrection on Sunday. Our Blessed Mother, Mary of Sorrows, will intercede for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.